So, everybody on this uh, beautiful 4th of July weekend, I hope everyone's spending some good time with family. And, uh, it's good to see everybody here in church today. So, you know, <coughs> today I, I, I've been dodging doing the adult lesson for a long time, and fortunately we've had really good speakers for the last several months, and as a preview of next week, we have a really good speaker from next week. But I've been dodging it, and it's been nice to, to be able to dodge it. So, uh, today, uh, I, I really didn't know what to talk about for quite some time, and uh, I, so, you know, when that happens, I try to be silent, actually. It behooves me, as I learned. But, um, so, in thinking about what to talk about today, I've just kind of like done some self-reflecting and, uh, you know, I, I, there have been, been nights where I've come home from work and, uh, you know, after getting the kids to bed and stuff like that, just kind of wanted to veg on the couch and stare up into the ceiling and I didn't, I didn't understand there was like some sort of dysphoria there for some reason, just unsettledness, unhappiness, uh, lack of peace maybe. and. Uh, you know, there have been many times over the last five years or so where I've just looked at the way society's going and I'm just kind of a little, a little bit like taken aback. And a lot of stuff is happening very quickly. We have a lot of stuff that's been in the news cycle over the last week or two weeks or three weeks. And, uh, you know, some of those things have affected me to different, to different degrees. Uh, but as, as a father of four kids, like one of the, one of the toughest things is that I, I kind of peer ahead to the future and I'm like, you know, where are we handing them? What are we giving them? And so, you know, today, I, I, the title of this talk is Wisdom, Idolatry, and the Anthropomorphism of the Golden Calf. And I'll, I'll get into what, what exactly that, that means. Um, and all the, the teachers in here know exactly what that means. But, um, so, but, uh, but I'll, get, I'll get more into that. And the reason why I decided to talk about this is because uh, there's there's many reasons, um, but I, I have a, a lot a great deal of concern over the way things are going in society. If I look back, and I'm not ascribing to any philosophy or anything like that. That's not. We'll, we'll, I'll mention that in a bit. But over the last 10 to 15 years, I've watched society, societal perspectives change rapidly on many hot button issues. I mean, it's really it's really amazing the rate at which public opinion has changed on many different topics. And I, I, start, to, I start to get, again, get concerned with that, especially for the, for the coming generation. So that's kind of what spurred this, is that the kind of dysphoria or just unsettledness that I've had for the last you know, couple of years, maybe, or and even more so in the last few months. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that in the context of our faith and in the context of, uh, of you know, why this is happening from a theological standpoint. So, um, what this pre what this presentation is not about, or what this talk is not about, is I'm not going to cover any of these hot button issues. That's not the purpose of this. Like everybody has, this is very complicated stuff to talk about. It's not going to be hashed out by you know me session sitting here for 20 minutes telling you what I think. That does nobody any good except for me. And um, so that's not the purpose of it. I'm not talking about abortion or the Supreme Court ruling. I'm not going to talk about gun rights and you know, whatever your thoughts are, I'm not going to do the whole pronoun thing. That's just not the point of this talk. 
And um, the, the point of this talk is really to, to understand why all this stuff is coming to the front and center now. Um, and hopefully I can shed a little bit of light on that. So the old people in this, in this talk, or this, in this room right now, can, can remember maybe a scene from the Ten Commandments that I want to play, because it got me kind of thinking about, about where we are. And it's, it's, it's kind of a, I always, as a kid, watched this scene, and I was, I was thinking back at just the, the debauchery and like just the way society is going. This, this is the Ten Commandments, it's when Moses comes down from, from the mountain with, you know, to, to see his people. And, you know, so we get... Opposing what he thinks, 
They know better than he does, right? I know better than the living Christ. Like, where the, the, the arrogance there is just, it's palpable, right? And then finally, you know, another example in the Old Testament is, is the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing. People have left God and have decided that they know better than him. And this is kind of where we are now, right? Is it, is it not? I mean, we've, we've created a God, and that God we've created is, is ourselves. So, you know, I always love this quote. I always, I, I quote this like every second or third talk I give. It's from St. Anthony. A time is coming when men will go mad, and when they see someone who's not mad, they will attack him saying, you are not mad, you are not like us. And so, what's that? Yes. Um, and, you know, so if nothing's changed, why is this causing such disharmony inside of well, it's the first time it's really happened to me, right? Or that, that I've been privy to it. I've read about it, I've, stuff, I've prayed about it, I've studied it, but it's not really, hasn't happened to me. And it's happening to me now, right? Here, here I am trying, trying to be somebody who's faithful, trying to be somebody who, who walks a Christian life, a follower of Christ, and all I see around me is people worshiping and going All I see around me is people saying that they know better than God. All I see around me is people saying that you're an imbecile for what you believe, right? It's, it's gotten to that point, hasn't it? Um, and so what, what's changed is the rate of change, which I touched on earlier. The way the societal opinions and trends have changed is, is so rapid now. You know, the, the accessibility to media and, and the way people communicate with each other. And there's a lot of good that comes from that. And we talked about that ad nauseum at one of our men's book clubs. But there's also, there's also bad to it, too, right? And part of the bad is, is the consciousness, the, the way that these things can spread kind of like a cancer and infect the minds of other people. Um, there's also a desensitization to it, if we're honest with ourselves, right? Things that we would have looked at 10, 15 years ago and said, whoa, 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 that's, slow down there, that's maybe not ethical or not moral, at least I've got to think about this a little bit more, not just accept it. We've been, been, we've been so bombarded by it that now we just accept it, right? It's, it's, no longer, it's no longer unusual or strange to see some of these things that are being touted in society as truisms. Stuff that 10 or 15 years ago we would have said, what, what's going on here? Why, why are we just, why is this happening? Why is this just happening so quickly? So there's a, a rapidity to it and there's a desensitization to it. Um, and then, if I'm honest, there's a fear of judgment from my Side. And this is rooted somewhat in my own arrogance, my own ego, because I don't want to be viewed as an imbecile or as somebody who's not intelligent. But the default is if you espouse some of the Christian tenets and Christian doctrines and, and Christian thought, you're looked at as an imbecile. You're looked at as, as a moron, as somebody who, who is not, does not have an evolved way of thinking. And that's, that's really uh, sad, and, that, and there's, there's a great deal of there's a great deal of uh, arrogance coming from the other side when, when, when they say that. As a matter of fact, no, you can't even, it's just that most of the time the people don't even ask you. They just assume that if you're uh, you know, an intelligent person that you think the way that they think. It's just an assumption that you have. Um, and then it's, an, it's it, like I said, it's an assault on the ego. I don't want to be viewed as, as dumb, so I either 
kind of tacitly agree with them in a passive way by saying, eh, I'm not just not going to talk about this, and let, let them have their, their course or, or their discourse. Um, and then, um, you know, sometimes as, as a human, when, you know, in weaker moments, uh, there's doubt that creeps in, right? You say, well, why am I still believing all this stuff that I was taught as a kid? Maybe there's some truth to what they're saying. Maybe there's, there's, there's a reality that I just don't understand. So every once in a while, maybe some, if we're honest with ourselves, some doubt can creep in, right? You know, why, why am I still believing what I believe? And that, of course, is nothing more than the, the trickling of the, of the devil. He wants us to, to, to think that way, to question ourselves, to question our beliefs, if, if possible. Um, and then there's sadness. If I'm, if I'm honest about it, there's a great deal of sadness that's involved in this for me. Um, because I look, at, I look at how many people have left God, or how many people have dismissed God, or how many people have just uh, never believed in Him, or have the, the, the experience of living a life in Christ, or living a life in God, and it makes me sad to see all these people perishing. I mean, some of these people will never have a chance to do it because they're so bombarded by, by the outside. You know, um, so there, there's a lot of sadness in it. And there's just sadness for, not that God needs my pity, but there's sadness for God, that, that he's loved us so much, and, and this is what we've done. I watched, you know, that old Ten Commandments video, and I think to myself, that's really just sad, that all these people have just left him, right? After what he's done for them, after how much he's loved, loved them. Um, and, and so there's a great deal of sadness that's tied into it for me, too. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, we have made ourselves God. And it's kind of a, a modern form of humanism, right? We can, we can be the authors and the inventors of a good life, of, a, of, of the life that we should live. It's no longer something that we need to rely on God for. And, you know, many people have written about this. There's famous books like Brave New World in 1984 and all these, you know, books looking to the future with this philosophy of humanism, of, of we are the be-all and the end-all of, of what is good and what is right. And just a complete dismissal or lack of focus on God and, and what, what he says. Um, and it, it's, you know, humanism, this video, I mean, it's... it's the irony of this video that I'm going to show you is that it's supposed to be like something that's enticing you to humanism, and every single word the guy utters, I'm like, I'm like repulsed by it. It's like, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll play it because I'm just, you know, it's, it was just so, it was just so funny to me, like all the things that in the Orthodox Church I've been taught, taught to hold on to. He's like, it's like telling me to do the opposite, right? If anybody wants to join humanism, I can give you the link to, to the thing after.
Humanist view of meaning in life is different. Humanists do not see that there is any obvious purpose to the universe, that it is a natural phenomenon with no design behind it. Meaning is not something out there waiting to be discovered, it's something that we create in our own lives. And although this vast and incredibly old universe was not created for us, all of us are connected to something bigger than ourselves, whether it is family and community, a tradition stretching into the past, an idea or cause looking forward to the future, or the beautiful wider natural world on which we were born and our species evolved. This way of thinking means that there is not just one big meaning of life, but that every person will have many different meanings in their life. Each one of us is unique, and our different personalities depend on a complex mixture of influences from our parents, our environment, and our connections. They change with experience and changing circumstances. There are no simple recipes for living that are applicable to all people. We have different tastes and preferences, different priorities and goals. One person may like drawing, walking in the woods and caring for their grandchildren. Another may like cooking, watching soap operas, savouring a favourite wine or a new food. We may find meaning through our family and our career, making a commitment to an artistic project or a political reform. In simple pleasures such as gardening, hobbies, or in a thousand other ways, in to our creativity or our curiosity, our intellectual capacity or our emotional life. The time to be found is now, and the way to find meaning in life is to get on and visit as fully as well as we can. Yeah, so please tell me there's more to life than soap operas and gardening. I mean, that's... There's wine. There's wine, there's wine and arts and crafts and... So, you know, please tell me there's more to this life than, than watching, you know, than watching Finding Ola on TV, you know? So, I mean, it's a great show, but still. Um, so, you know, there's a great deal of hubris and arrogance that's tied in with, that, with the humanist philosophy. It's all about us. It's what makes us happy. It's the meaning of, this, of our lives is how we can satisfy ourselves and make ourselves happy and what we can think of, and the philosophical things we can think of, and it's just, it, it's just littered, littered with that. So what is wisdom? Like, where does wisdom come from? You know, if, if, all, if, if we're being led in this direction, you know, what's the counterpunch, what's the counter answer to this? And most of us already know this, but it's, it's helpful to, to, to read it, perhaps, and, and review it. I mean, one of the great, one of the great, um, Commentaries on wisdom in Corinthians, uh, but uh, in Corinthians uh, three eighteen through twenty three, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things you present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Okay? And um, so that's, you know, this happened again. This is not, nothing new, 
right? This is Paul talking about this after, shortly after, you know, Christ, Christ's time. And he's talking to us about the foolishness of this world and, and you know, the wisdom of God. is foolishness to men and the foolishness of men is... Sorry, the wisdom, of, the wisdom of God is foolishness to men, right? And so we should expect this. We should expect that that's the, that's the thought. Um, and then there's in the Wisdom of Sirach, which is a book that's actually in the Orthodox Bible. It's not in the, you know, like the New King James Version, it's not in there. But the Wisdom of Solomon, Wisdom of Sirach, you know, Maccabees, books like, books like those are also in the, in the Catholic Bible. Um, the, just the first right out the gate, the Wisdom of Sirach, chapter 1, verse 1. All wisdom is from the Lord God and hath been always with him and is before all time. Who have numbered the sand of the sea, and the drops of the rain, and the days of the world? Who have measured the height of heaven, and the breadth of the earth, and the depth of the abyss? Who have searched out the wisdom of God that goeth before all things? Wisdom hath been created before all things, and the understanding of prudence from everlasting. The word of God on high is the fountain of wisdom, and the ways are everlasting commandments. To whom hath the root of wisdom been revealed, and who hath known her wise counsels? To whom hath discipline of wisdom been revealed and made manifest? And who hath understood the multiplicity of her steps? There is one most high creator almighty, and is a powerful king, and greatly to be feared, who sitteth upon his throne, and is the God of the moon. He created her in the Holy Ghost, and saw her, and numbered her, and measured her. And he poured her out upon all his works, and upon all flesh according to his gift, and hath given her to them that loved him. This is a very beautiful passage from the Wisdom of Sirach, and it shows God is the author of wisdom, right? From the beginning of time. So, you know, how do we go about acquiring this wisdom? And it's, it's, actually, it's actually, from the world perspective, very counterintuitive, right? Wisdom is manifest from humility, period. It's the subjugation of your mind to the wisdom of God, to the wisdom of His Word, to the Gospels, to the writings of the Church Fathers, to the teachings of the Church. It's not the philosophy of, if I think hard enough, or if I find somebody smart enough, they'll have the answer to me. It's going back to where the source of wisdom is, and the source of wisdom is God and God alone, right? And so it, there's a humility in that because unlike the human, modern humanist philosophy or the, 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 the tendencies of this day, we're not looking to ourselves for the answers. You know, no one's saying not to be happy or not to be joyful or anything like that. And no one's saying that we shouldn't think. God gives us minds to think with. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the searching for truth, for searching for an answer for something, our refuge is searching for these answers in, in God, in His Word, in prayer, in reading, and that's, that's the source of our wisdom, and it should be. So, you know, I, I love these quotes. There's a, a former Anglican uh, preacher, J.L. Packer, I believe his name, not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down, can divine wisdom become ours. And from Proverbs, pride, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 
And uh, Father Callistos, where a lot of people say, well, you guys are just hiding behind your religion instead of thinking. And, you know, a lot of us want to answer these people with our religion, with our faith, with evidence from our faith. And there's a role for that, right? I think there's always a role for that. But sometimes there's not a role for that. Sometimes, like, uh, like Bishop Callistos Ware said, he said, we see that it's not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us progressively aware of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. Right? And so we're not, it's not on us to answer all these questions, all of life's great debates to people, especially people who are not of the faith, people who don't believe, have the same worldview as, as we do. Our job is to stand in awe of God and in wonder of God. And maybe if we can allow people to see this awe and wonder, to wonder with us, then eventually they'll, they'll, they'll understand the wisdom of, of the, the Christian faith, of the Orthodox teachings of what God, God ordained for us. And then finally, um, you know, even Shakespeare, the fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. Just a reminder to be humble, right? And you know, there's this this idea of fools for Christ. And I, I think of myself as, you know, a Boy Scout or a Cub Scout. I want a fools for Christ badge, right? That's that's at the end of my life. That's that's what I want. I want to be able to have the humility to set aside my own thoughts when I think I have these great machinations or great, you know, profound things. I mean, have, have you? If you guys have kept a journal when you were younger, have you ever gone back and read some of the stuff you wrote? Like, I thought I was like Aristotle or something, you know? It was, it was, it was like absolutely ridiculous. When I was in college, I used to write all these thoughts down. I was like, oh, this is the most novel thing anybody's ever thought of. It's just like, you know, it's like out of like, some psych textbook, you know? It's, 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 and uh, so, you know, going back and reading that stuff, keeping grounded and humble, and realize I'm not as smart as I think I am. So, so. You know, go for that Fools for Christ badge um, and, uh, and, and, you know, humble yourselves and allow the wisdom of God to speak in your life rather than the wisdom of this world. So the, the trick to this is teaching our kids to, to, to think that way because there's so much time we have to. Um, I'm secure in it for the most part. I'm okay with people thinking I don't know what I'm talking about or he's an imbecile or he's not smart or he's not involved. I'm okay with that, but I'm, I'm an, an adult now, right? Um, but our kids may not be ready to deal with that. And so as parents, one of our roles, I think, is to help prepare them to be able to answer that for them. That's all. Anybody have any thoughts? I would say that um, I think part of what you're talking about is what what I feel a lot is the fear of where people are and, and where we've come. And I think um, that should, that's, that's a sign to ourselves that we don't trust God either. Um, and we don't feel like God has a hand in what's going on. Because I find myself yelling at God sometimes and saying, show yourself. You're the reason why people don't believe in you. You're the reason why people have left you, because you don't show yourself. And I would, I would argue with it. And I would watch 
videos and, and read excerpts from from the saints that talk about when they when they saw God in heaven and they came back, they realized how much God is in control and how much God actually has a hand in society. So even though we're sort of feel we feel distraught and despondent about where society is, that God is still very much in control. And we should, we should sort of fall back on that trust. Um, that that's how I see it is I look at I look at kids today and I say, what a godless nation. Their parents aren't teaching them about God. They they look godless and you know and and I'm okay. I'm the one who knows God. But I think we're all sick. And I think we're all in need of trusting God, one way or another. And I think God deals with us not as a, as a huge group, but as individuals. He shows himself to us as individuals because our relationship with God is very individual. It's very one-on-one. -on -one. It's not uh, the world and God. So when we look at our interactions with God, it's very unique to us. And we have to trust that God will reveal himself one way or another to each one of us. Um, because I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm thinking, where is God? In, where, why isn't he showing himself? Why isn't he correcting all of people? And why, I mean, this may be something we're not witnessing. And maybe it's not for us to witness either. Because it's almost like, see, this is my God, and he's going to show you what's what. But he's doing that with us too. We're all... We're all, in, you know, one, in one way or another, we're going to find the true God, and it becomes very individual, very individualistic for us to decide whether we accept God or reject God. It's not going to be based on your political view. It's not going to be based on who your parents were. It's not going to be based on whether you were raised in the church or not. Because there, all over the world, people are, they're not Coptic Orthodox. They're not, you know, they're not evangelical Christians. They're not atheists. They're, but it's not about that. It's about God revealing himself on a one-on-one -on -one basis to each one of us. Because that's the relationship we should have with God. It's not being just part of a religion. Yeah, thank, thanks. I think there is a lot of value to what you're, what you're saying. I mean, you know, when it does come down to it, it is... An individual thing, the salvation of each, each person. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something else to, to consider. But uh, still, as a parent, I still go back to it and I worry, you know. Um, and uh, I, I, think, I think also, yeah, I, I, have, I have to chew more on that. I was going to say, um, I noticed in the video, uh, you said that everyone starts to have their own meaning and understanding. So what we're seeing here is kind of what you were touching on, is that if everyone has their own meaning and understanding of life and the purpose, then now we're, we're now deviating from the universal truth. Because now we each have our own truth, and so therefore we now take away the universal truth of the existence of God. And that's what I think it alludes to the fact when we become our own God, we become our own truth. And now we're taken away from the truth of a universality of, of God. 
And so I noticed on the video. I think Mike just also being back to what you were saying, thanks Henry, that kind of triggered a thought in my head. It's like I, I look back at like the screen tape letters, right? And there is an effect on the norms of society and there is an effect on societal constructs on our relationship with God. And so I think I think there has to be a great deal of caution caution to not allow that to pollute your relationship with God too, right? I mean if you look at our teenagers, I, I, I bet you many of our teenagers have very different ways of looking at TV's hot button topics that we do. And that's okay to have a different way to, to, to look at it, but the question is why is there a why are they looking at it differently than we are? And I think I think some of that comes from the influences that surround them maybe. And so I, I still think there's there's value to really considering that kind of the, the broader the broader picture too. You're right, God doesn't need our help, right? I mean, He doesn't need our help to, to reach any one of us. He's dealt with this historically many times. Um, he's okay, he'll be okay, right? It's it's us I, I worry about. And you know, we just as just as God pursues us, we're also being pursued from the other side of it too, right? And we have to, I think we still have to, to be aware of that. Is that, you know, I, I've I had, I had a very close friend in college who was a, a pastor's son who was very, very faithful at least, you know, practiced his faith. And now he's like a stoicist or a, or a humanist, you know. And for me to watch that happen to him was very sad. I don't know what his end is. He may come back full circle. That's not, you know, I pray for him and hope for him. But, you know, he was somebody who was captured by the thoughts of the world. And, you know, I, I just hope, I hope there's a return for it, you know? Anybody else? when you look at this video and you think of where we are as human beings now, everything's weird around us and we're trying to stand against it. But if you think about it, it happened many times before. It happened you know, in Noah's time, it happened uh, in Ruth's time, it happened in the modern history. I don't know which saint it was. I think um, St. Anthony would Somebody told him, everyone's against you. And he said, I'm against everybody. The world is against you. And he said, I'm against the world. So we shouldn't be too scared. Um, another reason for that is, if you think about it a little briefly, it's like we are still evolving and evolving from the original sin. Human our our great-grandparents, and we wanted to be God's wanted to be equal to God, and that's why they came from the forbidden fruit. Uh, and we're still doing that now. Um, if you think about it, we're trying to get better in everything. We want to fly, we want to um, know things before they happen, we want to know things as they happen, we want to be communicating like God. We want to be God. Uh, and this is still the original sin. The only result out of that, I think, is to get up to God and tell him, Please give us wisdom for success. So, 